Hey everyone, I'm excited to bring you today's guest, Ian Agard. Ian is a senior account executive at Clio, a software platform designed for attorneys and other legal professionals. He is also the co-founder of Grind. Grind is an online learning platform and community that's built to help software sellers succeed, level up, and improve their craft. Ian is based in Toronto, Canada, and we had a wonderful discussion around mindset. We talked about goal setting. We uh, discussed how to structure your day. He's got a lot of really great thoughts around that. And the biggest piece to his story is how he doubled his income in software sales in under 12 months. Uh, he shares a bit about his background. He came from the acting world, which I thought was super interesting. So I'm very excited to introduce you to Ian Agard. Ian, thanks so much for being on the show. Jesse, thank you so much for being on um, being as a guest. I'm excited and honored to be on your show, your type podcast. Yeah, so I want to just actually, first of all, share how you got in touch with me because I really appreciate and and just for the listeners, I always appreciate any outreach on LinkedIn uh, or any other you know mediums. My my email is Jesse at jessewoodbury.com, so feel free to shoot me an email too. But LinkedIn is probably my main go to social network. So Ian reached out to me and, you know, first mentioned that he'd listened to a couple of the episodes and he was a fan of the show. So I'm, I'm always appreciative of, of feedback, especially positive feedback. And then, uh, you know, Ian kind of made a pitch. He said, I want to get on the show and, and share with your audience how I doubled my income as a seller in 12 months. And obviously my ears perked right up. I've talked about this a lot before on the show that we're all, you know, we, we get into sales because of the money in a lot of ways. Of course, there's there's other motivators like helping customers achieve their goals and, and providing solutions to problems. Those are all motivators as well. But at the end of the day, one of the biggest, uh, you know, sort of indicators of success in sales and one of the big motivators, uh, motivators is how much you can earn. So I want to start out first, Ian, tell us about yourself, your career, give us sort of your background and your origin story. Uh, I'd love to hear that. Yeah, great. Thanks, Jesse. Um, so basically, um, right now I'm a senior account executive at a, at a legal tech company called Clio in Toronto, Canada. And I've been working in SaaS sales almost about two and a half years. Before working in SaaS sales, ironically or not, I used to work uh, as an actor in the entertainment industry. So I worked in there no way. Yeah, off and on about 10 years and loved it. I uh, made a bit of money here and there. Um, but I realized yeah. I wanted to be have like have sort of family, have more of a stable income. And my other passion besides the arts is more business. <clears throat> and I, I've always been an admirer of tech. I had friends that used to work in tech as programmers. and talk about this founding funding and all this funding going on and all these t parties. I'm like, that sounds like a cool industry to get into. So I was like, I love business. I love entrepreneurship. And I was like, any way I can get my foot in the door, I'm open to. And the door was sales. And I've never looked back since then. Yeah. What was your first SaaS sales role? And, and how did you kind of get that door open? That's a question I get a lot from, from listeners. And I know when I was looking ahead at trying to get into the industry, it's a real tough industry to break into. But once you're in, it gets easier. But tell us about how you kind of got that first foot in the door. Funny man, it's it, it was a grind. So funny enough, I was looking for jobs, and um, there a lot of jobs would say SaaS sales. I was like, well, I don't know what SaaS sales is, and the, the ad even says if you have to <laughs> Google SaaS sales, don't apply to this job. I was no like, way. okay. So I googled it and like, okay, software as a service, and I was like, okay. And I went to a lot of interviews and a lot of small little startups, and they kept asking the same question: Have you used Salesforce before? I'm like, no. I was like, okay, okay. <laughs> have you used Salesforce before? I'm like, no. And so many, I was like, no, no. That was like, okay, I'm going to just see if I can download Salesforce. And I think I did something, some kind of trial. And I was like, yeah, I have a bit of um, experience. So anyways, 
I ended up going to Clio and I'm applying for a job called SDR. I was like, I don't know what SDR is, but they're hiring, right? I applied for the job. When I got the interview, the lady goes to me, the first interview, the lady goes to me, you've already filled our spot up for SDRs. We have this role called accounting um, representative. I'm like, okay, what is this? So it's called, it's full sales cycle. So you do the outbound calling, you book the demo, and you close the deal all in yourself. I'm like, well, that sounds pretty cool. I can almost like a little business. So through the interviews, um, I got the job. And um, that was it. So it was, it's basically a big, take a BDR and an AE and put it together. That's that's what it is. Um, and I did that for about a year and a, two months. Um, that was my first role. Um, yeah. So it sounds like it was prospecting, but you also had to close the, the deals that you were bringing in. So it was a full, uh, full sale cycle role. Awesome. Yeah. No, that's it. Yeah, and it's not something that's, I don't think it's really something that happens big in SaaS. I think SaaS more like the BDR, SDR pass up to the AE, as far as I know. Um, but maybe you can tell more about that. Is that kind of role exists in other parts uh, that you've heard of, the full sales cycle? Yeah, yeah, and I've, I've talked about this before uh, in terms of my background, but so yeah, the, the, the trend these days tends to be you come in to a SaaS business as an SDR, you spend anywhere from, you know, it depends on how, how quickly you can sort of ramp up, but anywhere from, let's say six months in the role to a couple of years in some cases yep. before you're then advanced on to actually closing the deal. So you just kind of get your first couple of years of focus and just building pipelines, setting meetings, writing prospecting emails, making cold calls. But I actually didn't start as an SDR myself. I have a really interesting, hmm. uh, you know, so I started my first software sales gig was a full sales cycle. So okay. it was prospecting, outbounding, but they were small deals, like $100 per month uh, SaaS subscriptions for an e-commerce yeah. pl shopping cart platform. And so I would actually just close the deals out too. And then when I wanted to transition into enterprise sales a couple years later, I actually took a step back and became an enterprise BDR or SDR so that I could get experience setting meetings and building pipeline against, uh, you know, more executive level stakeholders and buyers yeah. and things like that. So I kind of did it backwards, but I, I don't have any regrets. I actually am glad, I was glad to have first gotten the experience closing deals because it is a it's a different muscle that you're exercising when you're actually asking people to to move forward and sign contracts and mm -hmm. get deals done and you're kind of doing the negotiations and closing versus the pipeline side of things and i believe you got to have both of those skills to be a really stellar you know enterprise account executive or field sales rep you really want to know how to do both super well so i feel like i got you know a deep dive into both of those worlds yeah. And a lot of times young, younger <clears throat> professionals come to me and say, you know, is there a, a, what's the best way to get in? There's probably no best way, but if you can get some sales experience somewhere, even if it's like going to work for, uh, you know, a telecom company or something in a, in a retail store yeah, where you're actually closing contracts and, and, you know, getting those next steps and things like that. I definitely recommend that. But of course, being an SDR is a really good spot too, because you get to, to master the pipeline generation and, you know, especially if it's, it's building amongst like executive level buyers and things like that. Usually that's, if you want to become, you know, a field AE or a field sales director at a big company like Qualtrics or Oracle or SAP or something like that, usually you got to have a little bit of that pipe building experience as an SDR. So sounds like you're, you know, you're, you're more similar to me in the sense that you got to have some full deal cycle experience <laughs> early on, but you also got to build your own pipeline. So you've got a nice well-rounded skill set. Yeah, and it definitely helps out as an AE, as your AE, because like obviously sometimes you have to pick up that phone and and you know build your pipe yourself. You know you're getting 
demos booked for you. So I think I wasn't, I, I, I see a lot of reps that I see where they've just been AEs their whole life or they've, that's been for a long time. They're like, I dare, I will not pick up the phone. I'm better than that, you know? Yep. And I'm like, I have no problem. I'm, I don't take this. I'm in cool calls. You hang up with me. I'm, I'm, I, that's where I came from. So yeah, having those skills definitely helps out as you go up the ladder. Yeah. <clears throat> that's one of my big philosophies is I never want to become complacent when it comes to, to building pipeline, especially the cold calling aspects. Cause I, I'm the same way. I have a lot of acquaintances. I've worked with a lot of reps that when they get to a certain point, they've been in the AE or a strategic AE or field AE role for so long. Yeah. They feel like that should be handed to them in the form of warm leads. It, the world doesn't always work that way, especially if you're in a startup SaaS company or you're <clears> trying to build a SaaS company or something like that. It's just not super common. You've got to know how to build some pipeline and, and generate leads on your own. And so I've never lost touch with that. <clears throat> and that's one of the reasons I've stayed in, in startups is because I have a, a skill set and a knack for that. And I, I actively make an effort. And right now is a good example because I'm actually already at my, my number for the quarter. Yeah. Oh, cool. But now I got to build for the next quarter and the next one and the next one. And oh, so yeah. I'm really in pipeline mode. And it's, it's kind of ironic because I'm, you know, again, I've got contracts out and I've, I've gotten some big contracts signed in the last couple of weeks but I'm ready to grind the phones and I'm actually more focused right now on just trying to set more meetings and, and get the next opportunity going so that I, I can keep the momentum going. Yeah. It's, I think, uh, was it, um, John Burroughs, um, has a saying, um, the, the biggest reason for sales failure for reps is, um, pipeline, lack of a pipeline, right? Um, some of that regards. So the flip side is that as long yeah. as you're building pipe every day, um, you should not have to worry if a deal doesn't gets pushed back to next month or another. He's like, I no problem. I have, I have this, this, this in my pipe. Right. So, yeah. <clears throat> so tell us about what you're doing now. And, and are you, so I imagine you moved on from that first role. Uh, yeah. and what are you doing now? Are you kind of in the you know enterprise selling world? Are you still doing sort of mid market? And, and I'm assuming you're still an account executive, but yeah, give us the, the update on, on how things progress from there. Yeah. So after that, I uh, got promoted to AE. Um, I've been at the role for about a year and a, a month or a year and a two months. And um, I'm in Clio. So Clio has three levels of accounts we handle. One's called Velocity. One's called Strat. One's called Mid-Market. <clears throat> okay. So I'm in the Velocity. Um, basically, I, I help attorneys one to four side, one to four users, but one to four kind of people in a law firm. And that's my role now. And um, yeah, it's 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 more, it, it's it's a faster sales cycle. Usually it's like, two months max if they're in, interested in buying. Um, but yeah, all the things still apply as far as discovery, um, you know, next steps, you know, closing calls, you know, bring in some kind of sales engineers on different deals. But yeah, yeah. Tell, tell us about, uh, I know a, lo a lot of my audience always asks, and this is something that I've seen a lot of folks struggle with, myself included, is, is bridging the gap between, uh, mm. you know, it sounds like you made a jump from, from being a, it was an account representative to, you know, an actual senior account executive. Yeah. What are some of the habits or practices that you implemented to, to kind of help yourself jump into that more senior role, anything that jumps out? And I'm sure it's a, a combination of a lot of different things, yeah. but any, I guess, highlights there that, that you can share with uh, the audience on what it took to get from, you know, a lower level selling role to a higher one. Yeah. Um, Great question. Um, I, I think, and this is the overarching, uh, my perspective reflecting on it, 
and it kind of ties back to how my income doubled in one in 12 months going from that spot the biggest thing is this i think a lot of reps i'll get to the question i'll get there a long way <laughs> no you're good a, a lot of reps i find thinking okay if i can just get a better discovery question or get a better this better that like some kind of tactical thing then my life will be better and i think yeah that's the wrong approach to get at it from my experience and why i see all the reps in my company that crush it and you know there's layers to being successful and this applies not just mm-hmm. to sales but in life mindset work ethic and then skill set and i think managers tend to go like okay we have to work on your skill set i think that's the wrong approach first thing you work on is the mindset that's the foundation and on top of that work ethic and then skills so i get to your question how i made the big jump is i changed my mindset because before when i was just a struggling ar or kind of rep- I was very average. I had an average mindset, an average way of looking at life. And we can break that down deeper if you want. But what I made the commitment to, I made the commitment to excellence. I was like, okay, I'm going to be striving for excellence. And once I made that commitment mentally, everything changed as far as my desire to read books every day, my desire to be consistent in my outbound calling every day, my desire to keep growing every day, my desire to just level up in all areas of my life. And it just filtered into my work life too, yeah. Yeah, I want to break down the mindset thing. It's a really, in some ways, abstract concept that I know early on when I started hearing, uh, like a lot of the the senior reps that I would work with would say, you need to change your mindset. Yeah. I was like, how? How do I do that? <laughs> do I, like, Is it just a matter of reading a lot of like Tony Robbins books? Or yeah. is it, do I need to go and do some sort of spiritual pilgrimage somewhere? <laughs> Tell us some, you know, are there some ways that you recommend to, to work on your mindset? Because I think it is something you have to keep working on. Uh, I know now that I've sort of gotten into that habit, uh, I have a few ideas, but I'm curious to hear yours. Yeah, and you're right. And I think it's tough because how do you do it, right? But this has worked for me, and I mean, I'll pass on this. And I actually wrote it down, so I wanted to make sure I got it correctly. So I think it's making, uh, for me, everything started when I started setting goals, like goals. Mm -hmm. When I was averaging, I would just get to work every day, dial and see what happened every day. Okay, I missed my quota. I am a quota. I missed my quota. I am a quota. So setting goals, when I say setting goals, is like, okay, where do you want to be a year from now? Where do you want to be five years from now? You know, where, where, you know, that kind of thing, like your career. And also just month to month, like, you know, how many dials you want to make in a day? How much your quota, if a company gives you a quota, and your quota is five, uh, a thousand for the month, whatever it is, you, that can't be your target. Your target, should be, you should personally aim for higher than that, you know, mm-hmm. aim for 1500. If you miss the 1500, you at least, be above your quota. So I started setting goals. So setting goals is very important. Write it down a piece of paper, deadlines, one month, three months, six months, two years on the road, right? That's what I did. Um, <clears throat> the second thing was just being consistent, no excuses with my prospecting. Yeah. Um, I'm a big believer in time blocking. So I time block all my prospecting and kind of, you know, take from the, the book like Pro- Pro- Financial Prospecting by Judd Blunt. Um, just yeah man just every day it's it sucks sometimes but that's where you win that the monotony of the what's it my, my director says master the monotony mm-hmm. um, when she mastered not so it's those daily discovering of doing that every day is daily uh, prospecting and i think third high level is just reading books I mean, i'm always big on reading books every day whether it's stuff on mindset or stuff on Sales success or you know communication. So those are those are the three pillars I find are, are huge: goal setting, um, prospecting every day, and reading. Uh, no, thanks for sharing those. These are very similar to to the ones that I've implemented, and uh, I'm trying to think of a few others that that I you know 
tend to go to in terms of like how to work on my mindset and where the biggest shift was. Yeah. For me personally, uh, there's been a couple over the years where I've really kind of clicked in and, and worked on my own mindset. The biggest one just being to, to start sort of believing more in myself. And it took me mm. many years in my career to finally have enough confidence in myself that I could go get it done. Cause yeah. I definitely spent the first few years of my sales career feeling like, Oh no, uh, I got to hit this number or I'm done, you know, and then I'm gonna have to go look for another job. And then I'm gonna have to explain why I couldn't hit numbers the last time around. And it's just going to be this like vicious cycle of, uh, you know, just, just kind of spiraling downward. Right. So believing in yourself, uh, to do that though, to build that confidence, I think comes from perfecting your craft, doing mm. things like reading, you know, books, understanding your industry, understanding the product that you're promoting. Uh, one of the big things for me from a mindset standpoint, uh, this happened a couple years back. I just had this just random shift. I don't even know how it happened. Uh, I probably read it in a book somewhere, but I stopped thinking about sales as a sort of transactional thing. I, I stopped thinking about sales as I need to go and get a contract signed, or I need to go get money, or I need to go get uh, a deal done. <clears throat> yeah. And it started becoming... I need to help the the end user here. Like what, what can I do to help this person? And if I go and sort of put that out there and help my buyer persona, my prospect, then they will reciprocate with signing a contract and partnering on a, on an opportunity. And that's ultimately what I'm measured on. So I shifted even in my, and this even showed in my prospecting, I stopped saying, Hey, can I get 10 minutes of your time so I can demo our tool? Uh, mm -hmm. It's really cool. You're going to love it to, <clears throat> Hey, you know, Ian, you're a seller. You might struggle building enough pipeline to hit your number for the year. I want to figure out how to help you do that. I'm, I'm not saying I have the answer. Mm -hmm. uh, I think <laughs> I might, my solution might be able to help you. There might be a fit here. I just don't know, but I'd love to figure it out. Right. So that's what I do now a lot with my prospects is I've, I spend more time trying to understand what challenges they encounter on a day to day. And then my approach is how can I be a resource to you, whether you buy my product or not, whether you give us a, a signed order form or a contract or close a deal, I actually don't care anymore. <laughs> I used to care a lot. And yeah. it sounds, it's a really daunting thing to think about because when you have a quota, you have a target on your back, you know, you're hired for a job with a number over your head that you've got to hit. Uh, and so you, it's, it's easy to start shifting your mindset towards, okay, I got a, you know, million dollar quota this year. How do I hit that? Yeah. But if you sort of shift that and say, I'll hit a million dollar quota by helping as many people as I can solve problems that are you know relevant to what our, our solution can do. And it'll just happen naturally because people will gravitate towards <clears throat> me as a consultant and as a professional. And it won't be about Jesse, the sales guy. It'll be about Jesse, the, the consultant who is, uh, you know, a strategic advisor to our business and who has a vested interest in helping us solve these problems. So that was one of the biggest mind shift, uh, mindset shifts that I've made was to stop thinking about sales as sales and thinking about sales as consulting and helping and serving. And that's really it. That was after that happened, I started building more pipeline. I had prospects that wouldn't go dark on me because before that it was, you know, you have a really good meeting and you're, you're <laughs> slobbering all over the prospect because you're so excited to get the deal done. And then they never come back and, and you're emailing weeks and weeks and weeks and you never hear anything. But now uh, when I follow up on things, it's I'm Jesse, the consultant, you're, you're welcome to take me up on my offer to help. But if you don't let me know, I don't want to waste anybody's time, uh, especially my own. This is a, you know, mutual partnership. 
And if you're not interested in investing in the partnership, that's fine. There's someone else out there that, that I can go to instead. So that's one of the big mindset uh, shifts that I made was just rethinking what it means to be a seller. Another one, you know, you mentioned reading, uh, reading a lot of books, industry books, whether that's, you know, software specific, sales specific, or mm. specific to your industry. It sounds like you guys sell to attorneys. Uh, yeah. So I'm sure you've done some research on what it means to be an attorney. What does the day-to-day -day look like for the, for the folks that, that you're trying to solve problems for? And I've done a lot of that too, is actually trying to branch out and understand what the day-to-day -day of my prospect is so that I can better present solutions and, and, and brainstorm with them and, and kind of come across as more credible uh, as a partner in this. Uh, other things that I've done is you, you mentioned planning and prep. I used to be so haphazard about this early on in my career. It was really just fly by the seat of my pants, uh, you know, point and shoot, whatever, whatever the, you know, the, the cliche is. Yeah. And I didn't do a lot of forethought into how things would do is very much, you know, I was very much reactive to things very much uh, just, you know, let's try this and see if it sticks versus let's plan, try it, but then go back and, and sort of iterate from there. And so what I've done over the last couple of years is, is especially in a time like right now, it's the beginning of a new year. Uh, for us, we're already a couple months into our fiscal year, but it's mm -hmm. still very early in our year. So it's a good time to sort of sit down and get strategic and think ahead, you know, okay, great. This, this quarter is in the bag for me. How about next quarter? And how about the, the one after that? How am I, you know, building enough pipeline to keep this going? How am I, you know, reaching the people that I need to reach? Uh, you know, what am I doing to improve my messaging to make sure that it resonates with the, the folks that I know I can help. So it, there is a lot of planning. And then that goes even deeper. And I'm, I'm going really long here. I want to get back to your story. This isn't about me, but no problem, I, yeah. I'll, I'll share this final thought, yeah. which is, uh, you know, even prepping for meetings, prepping your internal resources at the company for, for a demo conversation. Uh, you know, doing follow-up and post-mortem calls after a demo to make sure that the, the demo hit the, the nail on the head for the prospect. So mm -hmm. there's so much more. I used to think that sales, you know, especially early <clears throat> on in my career, I used to just think it was all up to kind of luck. And if you had a really awesome pitch or, or demo, you'd win. And if you were just, you know, very assertive, you could figure it out. But I realized there's all these small moving parts and, and sales is really a team sport. I, I, I now believe that, that yeah. one person can't do it in a silo. It takes a whole company, it takes a whole team and it takes a lot of preparation and, uh, you know, really thinking ahead to make it happen. Mm -hmm. And it's not something that's just, you know, an aimless endeavor. It really is very much an engineered process to get pipeline built and to, to bring, you know, clients across the line. So that's my final thought on, on mindset, but I certainly appreciate you sharing some of the things that you did to, to sort of up your game. And, uh, so you talked about mindset, uh, and then you talked about skill set, and there was a, a third one, remind us again, what, uh, anything else on those topics that kind of helped you land a more senior role? Yeah. So I think the second one was the, the work ethic. Um, just really, I mean, it is what it is, right. But just really putting the time, like when I say putting the time, but putting the effort, right. And just not being lazy. I mean, that sounds kind of, you know, but it's tough to be consistent. That's why we, we, we honor, we, we respect those, whether it's a, these athletes in different sports, because they're consistent to do every single day, right? To be right. top notch, they can easily take a day off or, okay, I just won't run that hard this play. But no, the great ones do it every single day. So every time you're on a call, there's just little things. Do you always check in? Do you always um, upfront contract? Are you always letting them talk, asking certain questions? Are you could deep, deep, deeper dive on the questions, right? Not being lazy it takes, it takes time it takes it's hard, hard work but that's that's where you build that, that rapport build that connection um and i think also another thing that i didn't 
add to is I started hanging with um, top performers. Um, I really think that when you hang with people that are better than you, you play better, like in sports, and just soaking in that mindset and soaking in their their processes and asking them questions. And I feel like that's a big thing too, is hanging with people that are the top performers. And I feel like if you're a rep out there right there and you're struggling or you want to up level up, um, this is a saying like you know what's that? You're the you're the average of the five people you hang with, something mm -hmm. like that. Um, yeah. I truly believe that's it's a fact, and I think if, that helped me too, hanging with top performers and just and I guess I have, have it's, it's kind of like a mini mastermind. So me and the rep, he's the top rep in Cleo, and we meet every month, we chat, and it's like a mini mastermind, and he keeps me accountable. I keep him accountable, and we keep on talking about our goals and you know kind of you know rivals, friendly rivals, but it's worked really great. So yeah, that helps too. Yeah, I'm the same way. I have, a, I have a few mentors that I hover around and at different points in my career, I had even bigger lists of, of mentors. Right now, I'm, I'm looking for new ones, <laughs> which is kind of an interesting <laughs> thing to say. Yeah. Uh, and I've always been really lucky because I've had, uh, you know, either top performers or sales leaders or, or business leaders sort of gravitate towards me and say, you seem like someone who has, uh, you know, something to prove. <laughs> you remind me of myself when I was your age. I get that a lot. And so I've always been really fortunate to benefit from mentorship from, from people that had done it before. And I, I totally agree. If you want to do something big in your career, whether that's hit a million dollar number or start a company uh, or become a, a, you know, a, a CEO or a VP of sales or something like that, you need to go find a mentor who's done that. Yeah. And you need to ask as many questions as you can. You need to keep that as an ongoing relationship. But to get a mentor, you also have to deliver some value back to them. So you need to get creative and figure out what you can offer them first in some cases uh, to, to make it mutually beneficial because I think mentorship is a two-way street. It's not necessarily just, you know, Hey, I'm Jesse and I need you to help me be successful. I'm not going to give you anything back. I just, you know, I just need your time and, and, uh, you know, attention. It doesn't work that way. So, so it's a, it's a give get. And I always recommend <clears throat> reaching out to the people you admire and offering something that you can do that might be helpful to them. Uh, I love your, your commentary too, about just kind of doing the monotony because I think if, if some of the books I've read and, and podcasts I've listened to and things like that always break down top performers, whether that's in sports or business uh, or, you know, really any other arena. And if you dig into kind of the work ethic of, of top elite performers, it really, it comes down to just willingness to do the same thing every single day, all day, every day, being very disciplined and not wavering. Again, you know, the top sports players, they've got to do this. They got to just get it down and completely dialed in. Same with top musicians, you know, even yeah. like I was reading about a, a rock band recently that just, <clears throat> you know, when they're doing a music video or something like that, they just practice the song over and over again, or they're going to do a live show or something like that. So that really, I think that that crosses over into sales. If you're doing something every single day, whether it's cold calls uh, or trying to get as many demos and at-bats as possible, those repetitions and the consistency is going to ultimately pay off. So it sounds like you're someone who's pretty disciplined when it comes to, to carving out time on the calendar to do the, the basics, which are probably cold calling, you know, sending some, some targeted emails, uh, you know, hunting for the right people at the companies you're, you're going after and so forth. Yeah, just to, you're, I am. It's two things. One word you said that's very key is consistency. Um, I can see when I was an average rep, or was struggling, I was inconsistent. Inconsistent in my outbound, inconsistent in just everything about my my approach to the job. Um, and I think once I, I was making it, okay, it's all about consistency, right? Because if you do, if you do, if you had the habits in place, more often than not over time, the results just make just happen, right? And um, 
you said something very, very interesting. You said something about, uh, oh, another thing that I found that, that I started doing that's been helpful is, I'm not quite sure every company's different, but we use Gong at Clio and reviewing my calls and listening to my calls and listening to other people's calls, like that's just like gold. Um, I, yeah. I can't see how you can be a, a top performing rep, my personal opinion, and not reviewing your calls or other people's calls because it's likened to being a sports athlete, going out and playing, and just saying, okay, that was a good game, and then just say, try next game. No, like, <laughs> right. any sport from like yeah. football, basketball, they're looking at game film and, oh, I should have done that play, and they're with the coach and reviewing it. So um, I guess everybody's different, but if you don't have Gong, um, most companies do have Gong, but if you don't have Gong, that's talk to your sales leader, your sales and email team to get it because it's, it's a game changer for, for reps, yeah. I totally agree with that. We, we actually don't have Gong where I'm at right now. We're, we're working oh. on getting something like that in place. Okay. Even if you don't have Gong, uh, if you use Zoom, you can record your calls. It's not True. as... You know, it's not as data driven. Right. I think one of the values of Gong is you can kind of collaborate with other reps and you can listen to top performers and share your recordings with others on the team and your management can kind of go in and hone in on where you might be using for, uh, filler verbs and words and things like that. So I'm all for those types of solutions. If you don't happen to have one of those in your stack, uh, maybe you're at a startup, maybe you're at a company that just doesn't have a, a gong or a chorus license. At the very least, you should be able to record your calls on Zoom. If you can't do that, and you've got an iPhone, just record your calls on your iPhone. There's a, like some different recording apps and things like that. You can download GarageBand and run that in the background. There's tons of ways to do it. So sure. I've, been, I've been recording all my discovery calls on Zoom and I'll go back and listen to them and just sort of pick apart my pitch and you know maybe areas where I got off track and I'll also use them as, as sort of notes for later on because if I have a prospect that ends up going dark, I can go back and say, maybe I missed what their pain actually was and mm. I'm not hitting that hot button. And so I can go back and listen to them sort of provide an overview and, uh, you know, pay closer attention. It's hard to remember everything, even on a 30 minute discovery call. And sure, you can write notes down while you're, while you're listening, but it's hard to absorb all of it. So it's, it's helpful to have those recordings so you can go back and hear your prospects may have said certain things, but you, you know, the, the impression you, you got at the time was different than what was actually the, the pain points, right? And so you can kind of use those recordings to go back and say, actually, you know, I want to follow up because it sounds like you guys are concerned about this or, uh, you know, this is a priority, whatever it is. So I definitely recommend recording. I love that advice uh, because I, I try to do the same even without a gong solution. Of course, if you have gong or chorus or one of the other ones in the market, uh, awesome. You're, you're, you know, in a great place that's, that's supporting your development as a, as a seller. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. So tell us about, uh, I, I know the topic of money is, is always a fun one for us <laughs> sellers. I, I love it myself and yeah. I'm always an open book when it comes to, you know, the trajectory that I've seen in my career, which is far beyond what I thought I would, uh, achieve frankly. So tell us about, you know, doubling your income in a, in a 12 month period was that, and I'm just curious, I'm going to ask the, the obvious elephant question in the room, which is, did you just get a, a nice base bump? <laughs> a lot of people in software have uh, very, very nice base salaries and, and maybe they change to a role where their, their base is really aggressive. Or was that from, you know, commissions from closing more deals, uh, you know, building more pipe? Tell us about, you know, kind of the breakdown of where the doubling of income came from. And uh, yeah, I'm just curious. Yeah. So it was, there was a bit of a, um, a role, I'm checking up promoted. So originally my base was like, was like, originally was 40, then went to 45, right? But it's on top of that, it was just 
really improving my skill set because just because you have a um, there's still a lot of quote I need to earn, right? If I didn't pick up the phone or do the work, I'd just be getting my base, right? Um, yeah. So I, I think the biggest thing is I, I set myself, if I'm being straight honest with you, I set myself an income goal when I got into the role um, as an AE. And I said, okay, I want to I do six, six figures by the end of the year. This is my, you know, this is my goal. Told manager that. He's like, we can do it. Sit down and gave me a game plan. And he was he was a top rep before he came manager. So he gave me a game plan what he needed to do. And from that point, um, that's another thing too. I think, um, like I said, sales is a team game. And I think mm-hmm. working with your manager um, is, is so key. Uh, we always talk at Clio, we're, we're like, with the Bulls. And like, you know, my manager's like, is, um, you know, Phil Jackson and back in the Bulls when they're like in the heyday, right? And, <laughs> yeah. and we're all the Bulls and we're going with the six peat, seven peat, three peat. And having that kind of team environment there and having my manager on the call sometimes, if it's a difficult demo, um, but working with him. But yeah, I, I set an income goal to do six figures and I was able to do it in, in 12 months. But yeah, um, apart from that, I was just putting the work in, having your income goal, being transparent with your manager. And he said, okay, I want to get you there. Because obviously if I hit my goals, he's hitting his goals, right? So yeah. everybody wins, right? Yeah, so sharing, collaborating with people, especially your manager. I look at more as my business partner than my manager. <laughs> that's a really good, so back to the topic of mindset, I think that's a really good mindset to get into is, your, your manager's not working against you. They're just like you said, they're interested in your success because it's their financial success and their career success as well. Um, and I love that you, you set out with a specific goal. I know I didn't start doing that until just the last few years, maybe the last five years I'll say in my career. Yeah. Uh, I didn't start actually writing down and sort of putting it out there. Like, Hey, I would love to make, uh, you know, X, Y, Z this year. And, uh, you know, that probably started actually pretty modestly, you know, like just early on, my goal was always to clear six figures at some point. And, uh, I think I probably achieved that about five years ago. Mm. And then from there it was like, okay, now how do I get, (laughs) you know, then the goal can kind of start, you start moving the ball up right now. I I hit that benchmark. What would it take? What would it, what what would it take to do two or 300 K per year? Yeah. Um, what would it take to do a half a million a year? I know, uh, you know, reps who have done seven figure W2s in, in the wow. software selling space. Yeah. And I always ask whenever I hear that, I always ask them, it's like, what did you do? You know, like what's, what's the process to get there? Yeah. It's always interesting to hear the response. So I, I definitely agree. And most high earners that I've interacted with, whether that was in the sales world or the sales team, mm. but I also had a couple of mentors that were CEOs and uh, you know executive level business leaders and startups, and I've I've seen that as a trend that they tend to write down. They actually write it down. They yeah. write down what their earnings goals are, uh, or what their you know what their goals are for their net worth, uh, or <clears throat> whatever other sort of hard and fast goals. And they, they, they put it in writing. Cause I think it, they're, they're really putting themselves out there to actually get it. There's something in our psychology about actually writing it down that helps you really formalize it and, and really drive at that. Yeah. So I'm a big, big believer in, in just writing it down and then I'll, you know, then keep moving the ball up. Once you've hit that benchmark, ask yourself the question, okay, I hit hundred K now, how would I get to 200 K? Uh, is it, you know, would I have to double my effort or is there another lever I can pull that could take me to 200 K faster? And so if you're not asking yourself these questions 
And a lot of people don't. A lot of people I've worked with just don't ask the question. And of, of course, a lot of other professions that aren't in sales maybe never ask the question of, you know, what would it look like if I made 300K this year? Like, how would my life change if that happened? And then what, would, what, what levers would I pull to do that? And it's, easy, it's much easier if you're in SaaS sales because all you got to say is, okay, if I wanted to hit, you know, 300K, this is how much pipeline I'd need to build. And if I work backwards, assuming I convert some percentage of that, that's how I could close enough deals to actually achieve that number. Then you got to factor in taxes and things like that, which, you know, I won't, I won't, I won't uh, get boring on anybody here, but <laughs> I've, I've actually gone through exercises like that for myself. And I've got a, uh, an earnings calculator. I ought to probably share this somewhere, but uh, you know, if, if you're listening, email me, I'll send you my earnings calculator. Uh, and you can kind of go in and, and it, you can input your deal size, your close ratio, uh, or, you know, the percentage of deals you close and then kind of estimate how much pipeline you need to build to actually hit a certain target based on your comp plan. So it's a whole spreadsheet that I built about a year and a half ago, just to kind of help myself track my own progress. Uh, and it's totally open spreadsheet. So I'm happy to share it with anybody who wants to, to go in and do that exercise. It's all customizable based on, you know, deal sizes and close ratios and things like that. Um, but I found that really helpful to just at the beginning of the year, go in and say, all right, realistically, this is what I need to do. I either need to close bigger deals or I need to close more deals. Which one's easier? You know, and, and if you're asking yourself these questions, you're already moving in the right direction and you're going to figure it out. But if you're not asking yourself the question of, okay, last year I did X, now I want to do Y, how would I get, what's, you know, how do I close the gap there? Then you're just, you're just missing out. You know, you're missing out on <laughs> an incredible lifestyle. And, you know, once, once you start hitting some of these earning goals, you can start achieving other goals in your life as well, which I've, I've found. So I love that you wrote down, uh, you know, your earnings goals, what other things kind of came into play that, that you think helped, uh, you know, that you think helped you achieve those outcomes? Um, yeah, I just, I think really making, and then I get real granular as far as like company goals, like as we're being at Clio, as far as giving awards, so for reps hit the, the cool for the month, cool for the quarter. Um, different things like that. We have something called Clio Impact Awards. It's kind of like the Oscars and Clio. Um, so just having these goals. I mean, I'm for me, I'm a big goal person. Like I said, I, I don't know anybody that successful that I know that's not goals. Um, but you said something that was very interesting. Then I wanted to talk about. Um, oh, you were talking about the income goals, and uh, oh, what was it? Hmm. Seven oh, figure okay. W2s or yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Okay. So you know, you also have to be, you break down a, a plan, right? A plan, mm -hmm. right? So you plan it out, right? And oh, here's what I'm saying. Okay. So here's the thing that I realized, right? So the first time I, I worked at Clear, the first year, we had this like company retreat. We all go in the, into the, you know, to get away to all the employees and they sit down and they have this thing called OKRs, like the goals for the year of the company mm -hmm. and then how they're going to get there. I was like, well, this is pretty cool. I'm like, okay, let's work towards it. Then I realized, then I realized the second year, I was like, well, I should have my own, own, own OKRs. I mean, like, you know, I should yeah. think I'm a company, I'm a business. So if you're in sales, the first thing you think about is you should, your own, your own, you're your own business. And yep. even if you're working in a business, you're your own business. The company you work for has goals. You should have your own goals, right? I mean, obviously help the company get to the goals, but you should have your own goals. So once I saw like, hey, all companies around the world sit down every beginning of the year and say, here's where you want to go. Here's how we're going to get there. Well, I'll do this for myself. Here's where I want to go. Here's where I'm going to get there. And, you know, if you have a goal and a plan, you're, you're halfway there. And I, so my point again is that um, having that realization, and I have the same thing for this year and obviously next year, is having that goal, having a plan, because the, 
all companies do it, and you're a business too. If you're a rep who earns your own in- income, income as far as commission, you just think yourself as a business and do the exact same thing that the company works for, do the exact same thing so you can get that income you want to get. Yeah, it's cool you guys have OKRs implemented. Just for, for listeners who might not be familiar with OKRs, let me explain. So, and, and you can learn all about these on your own. You don't have to work for a company that has this in practice, but it's a very popular uh, goal setting methodology that a lot of tech companies use. It actually, I have the book right here behind me on the bookshelf. Uh, if you, if you want to check out the book, it's called measure what matters by John Doerr. And, uh, the, the background is John was a, a venture capitalist, I believe in the Bay area. And he helped a, a handful of companies implement OKRs and OKR stands for objective key result. And in my opinion, and I've used it at different companies in my current company, we don't have OKRs implemented. Uh, as a methodology yet, I, I, we may at some point put that in place. Um, but on a personal level, you can still do it and, and pick up the book, measure what matters. It'll teach you exactly how to structure them. But it's one of the most simple ways to set goals because you just outline an objective and then off to the side, you put what would what would a key result look like that, that proves that you met that objective, right? So if the objective <clears throat> is, uh, and you, you kind of have to make them, they're a little nuanced because you can't just say objective is to make 100K per year. Although you could, you could say objective is to make 100K per year as a seller. Key result would be, okay, there's 100K uh, that came into your bank account over the course of a year, <laughs> uh, you know, maybe maybe before taxes. But uh, then you can kind of break out the steps that might uh, it might take to get to that 100K. So to get to 100K, I might need to close this many businesses. Uh, I might need to close this size of a deal. And to do that, I need to also you know, keep going back a step and say, okay, to do that, I probably need to make this many phone calls a day. You can really kind of start working backwards to, yeah. to get yourself to that number. So I highly recommend the OKR model. I know that's what Google and a handful of other really large uh, tech companies use. He has a bunch of great case studies in the book on how to implement them. And then, you know, build yourself a really simple spreadsheet that just says my objective would be to do this. And I would know that I achieved that because of these key results. And here's how to, you know, sort of achieve that objective ultimately is just kind of the, the micro goals that would, would, would help me to get there. So super cool. Yeah. And I guess it's not always financial. Your care might be, I want to be a manager yep. or team lead yeah. or go from SDR to AE, whatever it is. Right. That's, that's, and then just break down the things you need to do. And then just, you know, be just disciplined on that. And, um, you know, usually things walk out if you're consistent and the time is, time is there. Right. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think what else. So, so OKRs, you, you know, setting goals, having a plan to, to get there, anything else that you've done to, to ensure that you kind of hit that financial goal specifically? Um, I mean, yeah, I think there's two other things that I do me personally. I think when I was, <laughs> this might sound kind of silly, but it's what it is when I was kind of struggling in average and kind of in, you know, in the mix of things, I was constantly comparing myself to other people looking around what's this mm-hmm. person doing? What's this person doing? And there's nothing wrong with that. But once I just locked in, I'm like, you know what? I'm competing against myself. Yeah. I always try to do better my better my better myself. I mean, beat myself. So if my if I hit whatever, say for example, I hit a thousand dollars for the month MRR, how can I do twelve hundred? How can I do thirteen hundred? Yeah. So trying to just be the best I can. I think that helped a lot pushing myself past. Because if I if I like, my goal is to beat Jim over there and I beat Jim, okay, I beat Jim and I beat Susan, but am I growing? Right. I could, maybe they're not, if I, but so I find that just competing against myself worked well and uh, I'd still do it now. Uh, but this is a big thing too. I think it's, it's a really subtle mindset, but I found that, and I hear it a lot where 
things are struggling, things are going bad, people start complaining about it's the leads, it's the this, it's the that, <laughs> yep. it's COVID, it's whatever. Yeah. You know, excuses, right? And I was there too, and complaining against you, it's the this and the, and the leads for this and that. And I realized now that I stopped making excuses, I started making adjustments. Mm -hmm. So no more excuses. I'm like, okay, if the leads are this, okay, make adjustments. Well, I need to do it to, to solve that. Like, well, how can I overcome that? Always thinking of a solution instead of just look at the problem. So I think when I stop complaining and um, make excuses, and I even see it, other reps, I hear them talk, and I'm like, and I hear the, when I start hearing the excuses, I'm like, okay, I don't, I don't, you know, I just listen to them. I don't like dive into. But yeah, you're right, man. The leads are so sucker. I just go, okay, okay. I, I hear you. I hear you. I hear yeah. you. And I'm like, let me get away from you because I don't want. I want to get that excuse to ice them. And I, I'm not perfect. Put it this way, I, I, I get it too. I get the, the thought bubble yeah. like, oh man, if only this, this, this. I'm like, okay. I catch myself. Okay, there's an excuse in. So I find more often than not trying to find make adjustments other than excuses help me a lot too. A hundred percent. And I know uh, Jason, I think it's Jason Limkin uh, of Saster always calls it compare and despair. Mm. And I've of course been guilty of that in the past and still sometimes in the present, you know, I, I, I always try to perish the thought really quickly. If, if there's ever a moment where I'm like, no, oh, it's the leads or it's because so-and-so, you know, so-and-so closed that deal because they're just lucky uh, or, you know, they were in the right place at the right time. There is, I, I won't deny that there's a lot of luck also in this yeah, game, definitely. but uh, I do believe that you know, luck is kind of a function of being prepared, uh, you know, pursuing the, the, the goals that you have and, and really kind of trying to put position yourself to, to find success. But yeah, I think you're exactly right. If, if you tend to lean towards negativity, which I've been guilty of, and, and I'm sometimes still guilty of, then, <laughs> you know, a, a good mindset exercise or a good practice is to really try to wipe those thoughts away as quickly as possible so that you don't dwell on them and don't spend too much time uh, you know, focused on the negative or focus on the victim mentality. And it's funny, I have a really great mentor. This is, you know, someone who's actually had a, a multiple seven figure W2s and has done, you know, incredibly well in his sales career. I won't, I won't drop his name. But uh, when I asked him, I said, you know, so what, what does it take to, to have a seven figure, uh, you know, earnings year as, a, as an elite seller in software? Like what, what, what did you do that year that was different maybe than other years? And, you know, he was quick to say it wasn't anything specific that I did that year. It was a, you know, kind of combination of things over many years and skills that I built. But he, he said the first and biggest thing that I think is, is super important in, you know, elite selling and being able to have a, a, an outcome or an achievement like that is you have to have, and the way he worded it was, you have to have the right size chip on your shoulder. And I was like, what, is that, what does that even mean? Wow. And he said, yeah. well, some people walk around with a really big chip on their shoulder and they're a victim. Everyone's always wronged them. Everything doesn't, nothing ever goes their way. And if you have too big of a chip on your shoulder, then you're just going to be consumed by all the negativity uh, and your, your own mindset's going to deteriorate and you're ultimately not going to be successful because uh, you're going to be too focused on that victim mentality and all the negativity that surrounds you, right? Right. If your chip is too small, then you're not going to have enough fire in the belly to actually go out and do the hard things that we've already talked about, you know, making daily phone calls, cold calls, uh, you know, writing the emails, doing the, the daily grind, the monotony every single day. If you don't have a, you know, if you have a small chip on your shoulder, you're probably not going to push yourself into sort of the, the discomfort that's required in order to really achieve those big results. So he always said, I had to have the right size chip on my shoulder, just the right mm -hmm. size, too big, 
then you're too negative, too small, then you don't have enough uh, drive to actually go get it done. So it was, it was not what I expected when I asked the question. I was really sort of looking for some more tactical advice on, so what does it take to have like a, a seven-figure earnings year? Yeah. And what I got was you have to have the right size chip on your shoulder. And, you know, back to our earlier discussion, I think that's something you can work on. Uh, and it really does come down to mindset. If you, if you feel like you have too big of a chip on your shoulder and you're always negative and you're always feeling like the victim, work on that, figure out how to shift your mindset to be more positive. Now, the harder one is actually, if your chip is too small and you're just not, you know, you don't have that fire in the belly to go out and get it done. If you have a hard time motivating yourself to go do the hard things, that are required to actually be successful, that's actually a tougher challenge to solve. Uh, it will take some mindset, but it'll probably take some, you know, getting used to, to getting out of your comfort zone and getting it done. So I thought that was really interesting, but I love it what you're saying about, uh, you know, negative mindset being, you know, eliminating a negative mindset being key in helping you achieve, uh, you know, not only sales goals, but of course, financial goals. Yeah, it, it's huge. It's huge. And it's something that if you're in the thick of it, you don't realize it. But once you get out, you can spot it a mile away. Like, and like, oh, okay, I see that. And I'm like, I'm not perfect. I work on it every single day. And as you probably do the same thing. But once you recognize the difference, you, you can at least know when you're in it, you can come back out of it sort of thing. Yeah. Awesome. So I wanted to, we're shifting gears a little bit here, but I wanted to learn a little bit about Grind. Uh, yeah. I, I know you're the co-founder of Grind. Tell the, the audience a bit about what that is. It looks like you're doing that in tandem uh, to your, your senior AE role at Clio. Uh, I'm a big fan of side hustles. Of course, I, I have this podcast as my current side hustle, but I've dabbled in a bunch of different things over the years. Uh, so I'm sure you're a pretty busy guy, but tell us what, uh, what you're working on with grind. Yeah. Thank you. So grind basically it's, a, it's an online learning platform, um, and form for SaaS sales professionals. And basically I'm just marrying everything I've learned from my journey. Like I was like, I was at the point where I was gonna get fired at my job as a AR and now that has success where I am now and I kind of see how it is now. So I just want to be able to have people have a, a form and a learning platform to do it. So basically it's like, if you were to think it's like Udemy meets Reddit. So it's a monthly subscription, you log in and you, once you go into the platform, there's five stages of it. And the whole goal is to get people to be six figure income earners in SaaS sales. Cool. So when you log in, there's different stages. If you're like, I don't never worked on SaaS, SaaS before, or I've just got a job as an SDR, Ooh, how do I get going? Stage one, and there's modules for that, right? And as you go up the different stages, the whole goal is to get to the end goal, which is being a six-figure in, in, uh, income earner. If, you, if you're like a struggling AE, you might come in and be at stage four, ping, 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 work on that mindset, get you going. And that's it, and there's also a community involved. I, I run the um, monthly kind of like group training, kind of like um, Q&A, where I can help people out and do like a little webinar style thing. But yeah, it's been launched at the, um, uh, this month been going, oh, wow. yeah, been going the whole kind of thing kind of went ad hoc kind of started a bit in September. So had a few customers so far, but, um, just trying to scrappy, you know, traction people are, are buying and they're getting in. So it's been good so far. Yeah. Uh, mind sharing and you don't have to, if you don't want to, but how many, you know, users are on right now, or, or is it still kind of in the development phases? Yep. Yep. Definitely. Um, MR is about like 200 a month. So nothing crazy. <laughs> hey, that's a good start though. That's awesome. Yeah. But like, you know, it was just like you, you, it was the whole saying the startup thing where you have to validate it, validate the idea and how you validate the idea by people putting their credit card in. So we validated the idea. Um, people like put the credit in, they have some testimonials. People are liking it. They're getting some feedback and they're getting results. My whole goal now is just be able to just spread the word. Right. And obviously tweak the, the process, but 
Um, people see value in it. And I really feel like it's funny because they always say when you start a business, you always start a business where you, you scratch, scratch your own itch. And I, I really feel like I know the pain I felt when I was a struggling rep. And I'm sure there's great courses out there and there's great books and that's yeah. great. But if somebody could hold my hand and get me from, I'm gonna, I might get fired to six figures, I would love to have that person. And yeah, that's what Grind yeah. does basically. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, something I haven't talked about a lot myself, uh, but I've, I've taken a number of different courses and done a bunch of different sort of accelerator programs. I've, I've yeah. spent thousands of dollars. Uh, I think a lot of people wonder, you know, like who who's out there buying these courses? It's me. I've, I've bought a handful <laughs> of them. And at one point I didn't even have the spare cash to do one, but I was like, this is a good investment. I need to figure out these, these different skill sets. Yeah. So I'm a, I'm a big consumer of, of membership sites and courses, especially ones around entrepreneurship, business sales. Uh, I've done quite a few of them just to, to, and, and I've never regretted it. Some of them have been pretty expensive. I spent 1500 bucks on a course once and I don't regret it at all. At the time, I did not have 1500 bucks to spend on something like that, but I did it anyway. And yeah. I'm really glad I did it because it had attached to that course was a playbook that I still use uh, for a lot of the prospecting that I do. So I'm a big fan. And then what I love is, is the community aspect of those <clears throat> courses. So I've, I've done a few different ones and you always end up in either a Slack community or a Facebook group or a LinkedIn group or something like that. I'm sure do you have a Slack group or anything tied to grind. Yeah, it's not a Slack, but inside the membership, there's actually like a forum, kind of like Reddit, where you can awesome. users go in and post questions and different areas, of, like anything else. Like any kind of forum that's like, okay, cold calling or discovery or whatever, maybe closing. Yeah. yeah. That always tends to be one of the most useful parts about it too, is having other people in a community that you can network with and, and you have sort of this like, you know, kind of private forum that no one else has access to in a lot of ways. So I, I, I like that. that's one of the things I've enjoyed most about the courses that I've done is I end up in these networks. I end up meeting these people that I'm like, I never would have met you if I wouldn't have bought that course. And now we're, you know, business colleagues and we keep in touch. And if, you know, if you've got an in somewhere, I can, I can ask you for that, you know, no holds barred. So I think that's really cool what you're building a community around finding success in this industry. It's kind of what I'm trying to do as well. So I think we're, we're really aligned in trying to help this, this audience uh, achieve what they're, they're trying to achieve. Uh, I like the, the approach you're doing, which is, you know, formalizing it into a community with uh, a forum aspect to it and actual content that can, can help someone level up their game. Uh, tell us about like the cost. If, if you, if you're open to, yeah. to sharing, uh, I, I want to try to give you as much press as possible on, <laughs> cool, and man. hopefully you can, you can capture a couple of new users. So tell us about the cost to, to join the program. What else, uh, you know, as far as value drivers are there associated with it, that might be beneficial to someone who's trying to level up. Definitely. Yeah. So just, you know, um, one piece of content comes out every week. So you get a new piece of content every week and it's just really calm, whether it's in, Discovery could be mindset, goal setting. It depends on what stage you are in. Um, it's forty nine dollars per month, um, and if you want to go annual, it's like four hundred and ninety. So you just get two months free, and uh, month to month, glad you go. But um, yeah, it's been a good value. And I, what I look at it is this: the more I grow in my career, I realize this. Right? It's like a lot of times you you buy a book or buy something, you might look at the book and say, "Oh, it's twenty nine dollars," or "It's fifty bucks." Right? I'm like, "Ah, eh, I can buy it." When I was younger and and I realized, like, this is an investment. If I put 50 bucks in, even if this thing, it, it gets me $5,000, it's a 10, yeah. whatever, a, a 10, 100% return or 10 times turn, right? I was like, as an investment, right? An investment. Mm -hmm. So 
if you say to somebody, hey, you know what? If, if you give me $1,000, I can give you $10,000. I'm like, I'm game. Like you said, those courses you took, right? I'm sure those courses you took for $1,500 um, back in the day have helped you earn what you're earning now, right? And some regard, right? Yeah, absolutely. So just looking at everything from an investment, um, because the biggest thing, another thing I want to talk about, you, you're talking about, about the selling aspect of whether you're selling and helping people buy and consulting. I think it's great. Another big thing I learned about from my shift and growing now was I look at now sales as, as a profession. Mm-hmm. Before I was like, this is a job. And you might think, what's the difference? Well, it's like this, right? A doctor, a lawyer, it's a profession. So they go to school, they take courses, they take CLEs, they go to webinars, they do training, they're always networking. Sales is a profession too, the ones that are high earners. And look exactly the same way. I'm a professional. I have to do training, I do courses, I have to keep leveling up. I have to show up on time, my meetings, and I'm a professional. And and there's certain ways you to conduct yourself. So I think having that mindset of, um, this is a profession, I'm a professional, like a doctor, because you can make as much of a doctor too as you want. Um, that yeah. that was oh, helpful, yeah. yeah. That's awesome. No, I, I, I'm and I'm a big fan. I, I've already said this, but I'm a big fan of side hustles for a couple reasons. Also, that that as a seller, you want to try to get more. It's it's an, it's a creative outlet. And mm. what I've found is in doing side hustles. Uh, for example, this podcast is is a, is a great example of my, one of my side hustles. Is mm. it, it ends up it, it ends up carrying over to my day job as a as a as an enterprise account executive. Be, one, uh, you know, one really interesting example is I had a I had a client or a prospect I should say who checked the show out and you know brought that up and I kind of built a little bit more rapport than I might have otherwise done because they they saw that I was doing this and even though they I don't sell to salespeople myself. Yeah. They still had some respect for the fact that I was out there trying to build something. So it's funny how it can all kind of end up uh, merging together and it can be ultimately beneficial to your, your day to day. So I think what you're doing is absolutely cool. I love what you're, you're, you're doing to help the community. And uh, yeah, definitely to the, to the listeners, check out uh, what, what's the website, where can someone find the, the grind community? Or get yeah. Started? This is grind. The best place to go is go to Ian Agard at LinkedIn. And okay. from that point, the link's there to grind. And I can even show you the link uh, maybe in the show notes afterwards, whatever. But uh, yeah. yeah, LinkedIn, Ian Agard, and everything's there. And just click on the company grind and take you, tell us what we do and more information on the webpage. And yeah, there's actually a free um, masterclass that I recorded. So you can maybe check that out and see how that works. If you like what I'm doing and what I offer, then maybe you can continue the, the relationship. And I'll put your uh, your LinkedIn profile link and, and I'll, I'll hunt down the link and put that in the show notes. Yeah. One final thought too on all of this. And, you know, I've already shared now that I've invested, I don't know how many thousands of dollars in different courses. I think there's a lot of people that out there have the mindset of, well, there, this is, the, you know, the internet has so much free information. For example, this podcast is free. I, you know, I, I, no one has to pay to listen to this. Uh, there's tons of books that, you know, eBooks out there, there's blog pieces, there's tons of things like that. There's websites. Why would I need to go pay to be part of the grind membership program? Or why would I need to go pay 49 bucks a month? My thought on that. And if you're, you know, if you have that mindset, think about it this way. If, if you didn't pay for your, your own college, and I know there's a lot of people out there that didn't pay for their own college, but I I guarantee that the, the folks that paid for their own schooling, probably hustled a lot harder than the ones that didn't because it was their money going into their education. So I think there is a psychology in, like you said, investing in yourself, 
having to have some skin in the game, which is you're paying for something on an ongoing basis. It's a reminder. Imagine if you had a free gym membership, how often do you think you'd go to the gym? Probably not very often, but I know when I've had a, you know, expensive gym membership, it's, it's, I got to go because I'm investing money in this. And that's my sort of, uh, uh, force function, forcing function to go get it done. And so definitely invest in yourself. I think it's really the best investment you can make sure you could put money into, into stocks or crypto or real estate or any other thing, but really the, the biggest returns that I've seen didn't come from the stock market. Haven't come from real estate yet. Um, but have been in me investing in my skill set because, because that can translate into bigger commission checks, higher base salaries. And if not those things, you know, a bigger equity stake in the company you're working at, uh, being better at negotiating and different things like that. Those are, are skills that are just invaluable when it comes to, to growing your earnings and increasing your net worth and things like that. So I'm a big, if, if you, again, if you have that mindset of, well, there's tons of free content on the internet. I'm not going to pay 45 bucks a month to be part of this. You're missing out on the community aspect of it. You're missing out on putting some skin in the game and really investing in yourself and paying that, that monthly will be a reminder to you that you need to take action because you're, you've got skin in the game. You're making an investment and you want to make sure that that investment is profitable. And that's exactly how I approach the courses and the, the membership sites and communities that I've paid for is this is an investment. I expect a return on this investment in some way. Um, but me putting my own personal money into this is, uh, you know, me putting skin in the game and, and investing in myself. And there's a lot of other thought leaders out there that say the same thing. So I, I'm not, you know, I'm not sharing anything that's revolutionary or new here. Uh, it's human psychology 101. But if there's anyone out there who's like, ah, 49 bucks a month, come on. I'm telling you, 49 bucks a month is pretty reasonable for an investment in yourself. And I, I like the, the monthly model because it's a you know monthly reminder that you got to keep capitalizing on that investment. Thank you, Jesse. That you you spot on, man. You spot on. You you just, you, you. If I was, I would have been sold if you if I was. Been, <laughs> so you got me. But um, yeah, I love the whole thing of skin the game, hundred percent, right? Skin the game, um, that changes everything, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, awesome, man. I know we're, we're here on an hour. Uh, one final question would just be, you know, where, where's, where's Ian going next? What's the, the kind of next big venture? You've got the, the AE role at Clio. Sounds like you, you're hitting your financial targets. You've got grind uh, and you're, you're growing the community and the, the business there. Uh, what's, uh, yeah, what's, what's in the next couple of years? What can we expect? Um, well, I'll be transparent. Yeah. I mean, if, if everything goes the way I want it to be, I mean, we can't, I can't control what I can control, but I love to be full time doing grind. I really feel that, um, you know, I, I guess I love being entrepreneurial. I have no desire to be a manager, so that or leadership. I respect that. It's not my really my thing. Um, yeah. But yeah, to build grind to be a community where it grows and grows. Like, you know, I see these online platforms like Udemy and stuff, and you know, Linden Learning. And I see the value that to people's lives. And if we can have grind being a little bit niche that grows and have that full time and grow, that's my, um, that's my plan, man. That's my focus. I love that. That's, that's fantastic. And I, I wish you the best of luck in, in growing that. And if there's anything I can do to help, uh, you know where to find me. Any final thoughts or words of wisdom you care to share with the audience about sales, life, business, uh, entrepreneurship, anything? Uh, yeah. Final words of wisdom. Yeah. Maybe two things, right? Um, just commit to excellence. Anybody you rep, that you rep, that you rep, that you respect, a musician, a, a, a sports athlete. Right now, I'm big. I'm, I'm a big Aaron Rodgers fan. I'm watching this guy play. Mm -hmm. I'm like, why is this guy so good? He commits <laughs> yeah. to excellence. He has a yeah. higher standard than the guy. He's not super, super. He's a talented guy, but 
Is he 10 times talented guy beside him? No, but it's excellence. So commit to excellence. And number two, the more you learn, the more you earn. I totally agree. Well, Ian, thank you so much for, for joining today. I, I love your story, love what you're building. And uh, I know the audience will, will benefit from this as well. So I can't, I can't say thank you enough, especially because uh, it's late night, Friday night for you <laughs> out there in Toronto. So appreciate you being on the show, man. Thank you, Jesse. Thank you. I love your energy. I love your vibe. You got good things going on. And I'm, I'm glad you're doing your hustle and um, keep doing your thing. And you have a lot of value to add to people's lives. I learned a lot today just from hearing you talk on this, this podcast. <laughs> awesome. We'll